Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the other day I was in the bathroom getting ready for my day. And I was looking in the mirror and I was looking at some of my features and thinking to myself, like, how I look like certain people in my family. And just like how I look like someone in my family, that person looks like someone and that person looks like someone and so on and so forth. You get the picture. And in this thought, I was also thinking about, you know, how as human beings, we're all connected in some way. We, we all have some type of connection to each other. And I was thinking about some of the times in my life where I've had an instant connection with someone or... I've been walking down the street and I recognize someone for some reason. I know I don't know this person, but there's just something about them that I recognize. And I was thinking about all of these things and I started getting really deep into the thought and thinking to myself, maybe part of the reason why we have these connections, part of the reason why we recognize people that we would never, there's no reason why we would actually know them. I was thinking about, I wonder if these things happen because something that I have taken from somebody else, some part of me that I've gotten from somebody else, some, some energy in me, something from my ancestors or something from a past life recognizes someone or something that I have known in that person in a past life. Does that make sense? Am I crazy? Have any of you guys had thoughts like that? I'd be really interested to hear what you guys think about that. And maybe in the next episode, we can kind of like touch on it. Unless I'm crazy, then we can just ignore this whole beginning part. Guys, welcome to episode one of Lex Logic No Longer Silenced. I am so incredibly excited, so fucking nervous so terrified to be doing this, but I cannot even begin to thank you guys for being here from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to every single person who's listening to this episode. Thank you to every single person who has supported me this far. Thank you to everyone for giving me a chance. I want to thank my family for being there for me throughout this whole process. I love you guys so much. I can't even begin to articulate to you guys how much I love you. Mom, dad, Rosie, you guys are everything to me and I just, I would not be here without you guys. I just had to let you know how, how incredibly thankful I am for you guys. Um, also one last thing, I want to thank my friends. You guys know who you are. For the very few of you who have stuck by me for this entire process, you guys, are this is for you this episode one is for you you guys I literally would not be here without you and I just I appreciate everything you guys have done for me in the last eight months the last person I want to thank is Aaron Hill Aaron you are freaking amazing guys Aaron is the person behind all of my artwork the person behind my color palettes Aaron I am so thankful for you. You are extremely professional. You communicated well with me. You are so organized. You're obviously insanely talented. You listened to me and you were patient with me and I literally just couldn't ask for anything more in someone that I work with and I can't wait to work more with you. Guys, if you are interested in seeing more of Erin, please give her a follow on Instagram at Erin Hill underscore design. 
If you guys head over to my website, I will make sure to have some links there for you guys, including to her website. And uh, yeah, please give her a follow. Tell her I sent you. Erin, you are amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm just so excited for you to kind of be along on this journey with me. I was on a Zoom call with Erin the other day, just kind of going over last minute stuff. And in that conversation, we were talking a little bit about how, you know, I'm nervous for this podcast, how I'm really, um, I'm just, this whole thing is just really, really scary. Um, But I was telling her one of the things that I'm nervous about is my first episode. I'm nervous about how it's going to sound, if it's going to flow well, if I'm going to like overshare, if I'm going to, you know, you know what I mean? Like I I was nervous. I was really nervous. And I was telling her like, oh, it's pancake theory. And she was like, what the heck is pancake theory? And I was like, you know, pancake theory, like how the first pancake is like the shittiest one and then the rest of them progressively get better. I was like, that's what's going to happen with my podcast. The first episode's going to kind of suck and then eventually it'll get better. So I just wanted to like apologize to you guys before we jump into the episode and just tell you, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I had never even really heard of a podcast until recently. I had never listened to them until recently. I don't know anything from a technological standpoint. I'm just kind of going with the flow. I know I have something to say. I know I have something I want to share with you guys. So just bear with me. This is the first episode, and I promise you guys I'm going to get better throughout this process. And I welcome any constructive criticism or tips and tricks that you guys may have along the way. So I wanted to go ahead and start off my first episode with a little bit of a background on the name LexLogic No Longer Silenced. Um, obviously, if you guys don't know, my name's Lex, so I named the podcast after myself, but the Lex Logic portion actually started off as a joke between an old group of friends and I. When I had first moved here, I was, uh, pretty shy. I didn't really, I didn't make friends really quickly, um, mostly because I had just come from a a place where I didn't really know myself. I was kind of at rock bottom and I'll touch on all of that stuff a little bit later. But these friends that I had made when I first moved here, they really helped me in finding myself and finding my voice and finding kind of my personality again. And this LexLogic concept kind of came from the fact that Once I started becoming comfortable with myself again and starting to find myself, I realized that I actually made a lot of really weird comments. And whenever I would make these really weird comments or outlandish things or talked about these weird thoughts that I've had, for example, my intro, that kind of thought, I have those pretty frequently. So it became a thing whenever I would say things like this or talk about things like this, it was Lex Logic. But as of recently, it has definitely become more of a lifestyle for me. I'm sure one of the things all of us can agree on is that 2020 has absolutely been the worst year ever. (laughs) And it's been extremely challenging for all of us. But at the same time, 2020 has definitely been a year of growth and change and transformation. And in looking back, making those outlandish comments, saying those weird things, talking about those weird thoughts, it was actually just the first step in finding myself, finding my voice, finding my personality, all of that stuff after spending such a long time being silenced. A few months ago, I was also recommended two books. The first one is Lost Connections by Johan Hari, and the second one is Politics of Trauma, Somatics, Healing, and Social Justice by Stacey K. Haynes. If you guys are interested in uh, purchasing these books or reading these books, I can provide some links for you guys. I will also make sure to put it somewhere on my website. These books are amazing, so I, I really would recommend them. In reading both of these books, they both taught me so much about a different way to look at life, and I wanted to share that with you guys. The main goal for me is to empower myself, but I also want to empower others to use our voices as well. I plan on doing this by using my voice to share extremely intimate, traumatic, life-altering, taboo, and controversial stories that I have been through. 
I know that I'm not alone in these situations and reading Lost Connections and Politics of Trauma, I was able to listen to other people's stories and in listening to those, it empowered me to be brave and it want, it made me want to share my own stories and put my reputation out on the line in hopes that it helps someone who's going through something similar. In Lost Connections, he separates his books into chapters based on the specific disconnection that he's talking about. So I'm not sure if you gathered, but from the title of the book, Lost Connections, he basically just talks about connections that society has taken away from us as a, um, as a human race, basically. And he separates these into these connections, uh, meaningful work, other people, meaningful values, childhood trauma, status and respect, the natural world, a hopeful and secure future, and genetics um, and the things in our brain, like brain functioning. And there were, there was not a single chapter where I didn't relate something in my personal life to that chapter. There was something that I read in that book that reminded me of something that I had been through or it the feelings that he described when going through certain things, having these disconnections because of society, it made me think about several different times in my life. So I decided to pick a couple of the disconnections that he talked about, and I wanted to formulate this first episode around those disconnections and how I basically naturally healed myself. If you guys would like me to do another episode on the other disconnections that I'm not going to talk about right now, let me know. I would love to. Like I said, I have so many stories for each of these connections. So I'm only going to be talking about a couple, maybe three uh, for each of the connections that I'm going to be talking about. But yeah, I definitely have more that I can share. So if you guys want to hear those things, just let me know. I am going to preface this episode really quickly with trigger warnings. I am going to be talking about drinking and drug use. I'm going to be talking about teen pregnancy. I'm going to be talking about identity crises and like kind of what it's like to go through and at least from my perspective. Um, I'm going to be talking about bullying. I'm going to be talking about suicide and death. Uh, I'm going to be talking about sexual assault. I'm going to be talking about mental health and I'm going to be talking about adoption. I am going to try and uh, make note of timestamps for you guys so you can skip through if you would like to or if, or if you would like to jump to a specific trigger or anything like that. Um, just I, I want to do that for you guys because I know sometimes these things can be hard to listen to if you're not ready. And if you if you would like to listen, I would just recommend maybe listening to someone of a support system or maybe just waiting until you're ready. Because uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail about everything, but I just wanted you guys to be prepared. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into episode one of Lex Logic No Longer Silent. And I invite you now to grab a snack, smoke a bowl, and get comfortable because this is going to be a long journey for all of us. My story starts in San Diego, California. I was born to two really young adults who had already had two kids prior. And my parents had to make the unfortunate decision to give me up for adoption. From what I understand, my birth parents had an agreement with a couple who was um, not in town at the time that I was born. So they were forced to go down to the yellow pages. They opened up to the first page, called the first lawyer on the list, which just so happened to be the lawyer of a couple living in Lancaster, California. If you are unfamiliar with Southern California, San Diego and Lancaster are about three hours apart from each other. So this lawyer calls this couple down in Lancaster and tells them, hey, we have a baby girl for you guys. This is an opportunity we can't miss. Now, this couple had recently just been in the final stages of adopting a set of twins, but the birth mother pulled out. So they were unable to go through with the adoption and it left them heartbroken. So in getting this phone call from this lawyer, from their lawyer, they were so excited. They did not want to miss this opportunity. So they drove down to San Diego. And when they got there, there was another couple there as well. Now, my birth family interviews these two families. 
takes a little bit of time to think about their decision and ultimately chooses the couple that is from Lancaster. So for podcast purposes, I'm going to be referring to my adoptive parents as my adoptive parents and my birth parents as my birth parents, just so you guys can keep the story straight and all of that fun stuff. So one of the main questions that I get a lot is what is it like being adopted? So I always knew that I was adopted. My parents always made sure, my adopted parents always made sure that I understood. I remember reading a book about it when I was younger. They, they just always made sure that I understood that I was not their blood daughter. I spent most of my childhood not really caring about knowing anything about my birth family. I knew that I had my parents out there and I knew I had two older brothers and that was enough for me. On top of that, we adopted a baby girl when I was about, when I was close to four year, three going on four years old. And that was my sister, you know, like we, she was all I needed. So jumping into my early childhood, my family grew up in a small suburb outside of Los Angeles. We did move from Lancaster, thank God. And we, my sister and I had a really wonderful childhood. We were constantly in sports. We went camping with my family a lot. In the really early parts of our childhood, we had family reunions pretty regularly. We went on camping trips with them. We saw each other on all the major holidays. We, we definitely were pretty close-knit there for a little bit, at least in the beginning of my childhood. I had a really great relationship with my parents when I was younger, but I can say now, and this is something that we've talked about and something that we have been working on as a family recently. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But when we were younger, we definitely lacked an emotional connection with our parents. And... You know, it kind of made our relationship with them suffer as we got older. I also had a really wonderful relationship with an aunt and uncle of mine. When my parents were living in Lancaster, my parents were working in Burbank and Pasadena. So extremely far away from Lancaster. Mom, dad, I still don't understand why you lived in Lancaster and did that commute. But anyway, um... There was a point where her and my dad had a hard time, and so my aunt and uncle helped out with me as a baby. This aunt and uncle, I I was just really close with. I spent a lot of time with them when I was younger. I used to go to their house on the weekends, and I just, I considered them to be the only family members that genuinely, like, cared about me as much as my parents did. Another relationship that I had that was really great growing up was my grandma. Uh, my grandma at this point was one of the very few people who validated me. My parents worked a lot, so I didn't see them very often. I didn't see my aunt and uncle very often because they lived in Ventura. It was on special occasions. So my grandma was the person who really built me up as a child. My grandma was a really eccentric person as well, so she really kind of instilled that within me to, you know, use my imagination, be different, be original. And it, it, it was just a really awesome relationship to have with her. Unfortunately, when I was really young, my grandma passed away. It was very sudden. It was an accident. 
she had tripped and fell and broke her hip and got pneumonia in the hospital and it happened so quickly I didn't get a chance to say goodbye it was just it was a really traumatic thing to go through at such a young age especially with someone that I had such a deep connection with and someone who was really important to me because of how much she validated me as a person from that point forward I had an extreme jealousy of the relationships that my cousins had had with my grandma. One of the things that made my life a little bit different, and it was, you know, because I was adopted, my parents were in their late 30s when they adopted me. So because of that, I I was raised in a older family. My mom is the youngest of four kids. So my uncles being older than her, their kids were older than my sister and I. We are each a decade apart. So they got a lot more time with my grandma than I did. And she was my last living grandparent at that point. So I had a lot of jealousy because everyone had all these memories with her and had spent so much time with her. And I felt like my time with her was shortened. On top of all of this, this same year that my grandma passed away, my aunt and uncle that I was really, really close to decided that it was time for them to move to Colorado. They had their family out there. My aunt's sisters were here. It, it was, I'm sorry, their kids were here. It was just, it was time for them to leave California. But in doing this, it, it really broke my heart because I felt like I was just losing all of these really important connections to me. And I just, it, it really made me feel like I was alone. This began a little bit of my distrust in adults. My relationship with my parents started to suffer. I realized that I was constantly looking for connections with people because my parents were always at work. I was treated differently at school. I was, a ha- I was having a hard time keeping my groups of friends. I was bouncing around from group to group. I was just, I, like I said, I was constantly looking for a connection. I was constantly looking for love in whoever would give it to me. I was an extremely emotional kid. I literally just I cried for everything I was you know I had a lot of extremes when I was happy I was really really happy and when I was sad I was really really sad and when I was angry I was really really angry I I just felt everything so deeply as a kid now around this same time I was I was in Girl Scouts that was one of the things my parents made sure that my sister and I were in and My troop went on a lot of fun trips. We did a lot of fun things together. And one of the things that we did as a troop was go on mother-daughter trips. And these were really fun because it was obviously, you know, we're all friends. We all know each other's moms. It it was just, it was a good energy and a good vibe. So I'm going to bring up my first trigger warning now. I am going to be talking about molestation at this point. So if this is something that is hard for you, Um, I would recommend skipping through this part or maybe just listening with someone of a support system or someone that you can can be with so you're not alone through this. On one of these trips we went on, it was a mother-daughter trip, and it was to this golfing place, and there was a lot of different rides, and you you could mini golf, you could bumper boat, like all of those kinds of things. And I remember being in line with, you know, all of my friends and their moms, and we were kind of like all facing each other, talking, having a conversation while we're waiting to get on this ride. And one of my peers' mothers, I, I was standing with my back to her, and my, I remember being like pulled into her chest. So like she puts her arms around me and pulls me into her, like she's kind of like hugging me in a way, and she proceeds to molest me. Now, I'm standing there, first of all, again, we're in public, so we're standing out in the open, there are people around us, people looking right at us, and I was just extremely uncomfortable because this person's mother was my, you know, they were, they were my friend, like, I knew these people, I had spent time with these people, and so while this was happening, I was, I, I was extremely scared, I was mortified, I was, ner- I didn't know what to do because no one around me was reacting how I was feeling but I know that the look on my face showed pure terror so people started to notice and they said like whoa like what's happening like that's Alexis what are you doing and she jumps back and says oh my gosh I'm so sorry I thought you were my daughter and I'm standing there thinking in my head like you do that to your daughter like I 
it was crazy because it was justified. Something that made me uncomfortable was justified in front of everybody. And it was kind of like, oh, okay. And I remember standing there thinking like, so adults can basically just say whatever they want and get away with it. I'm obviously uncomfortable. I'm obviously nervous. I'm obviously freaked out. And it doesn't matter what I feel because an adult said that it was okay what she just did to me. So after this instance in my life, I, I became angry. And this anger manifested in bullying. And it manifested in me trying to control everything and everybody around me. My need for ap- approval and love and adoration just, it, it got so much more intense. And I bounced around even more so in friend groups And on top of that, I became extremely boy crazy. I was just looking for any type of attention from anyone because I just I I just was spiraling out of control. And this is how it manifested. Also, around this time, I started to really struggle with my sexuality. I had realized that I was having feelings for my friends who were female in the same way I would have feelings for my friends who were male. And it really started to frustrate me because I was going to private school at the time, and this was not something that was talked about. I, I don't even think I really understood what being uh, gay or lesbian or bisexual or any of that stuff was. It wasn't something that was talked about. So I kind of just forced these feelings out of my head. And in order to distract myself from my feelings for women, I would force myself to have a bigger attraction to men than I actually had. So it came off as looking boy crazy to a lot of my teachers and the adults in my life. So I wanted to talk a little bit about bullying. I wanted to start off with the definition of bullying. The first one is a person who uses strength or power to harm or intimidate those who are weaker. And the verb is to use superior strength or influence to intimidate. Now, I thought this was important to share because when you think of these definitions, you think of and you think of the word bully, you know, you think of those big people in school that knock you over and, you know, take your lunch money. But when I look back on the times I have felt like I have been a bully, none of that was true. And I don't look at it as bullying in that way, because when I did it, I wasn't using power or strength. It was the exact opposite. I felt powerless. I felt weak. I needed people to hurt because I was hurting. And if anyone in my life seemed like they were more put together than me, I was jealous. And not only that, it wasn't as if I was picking random people to be mean to or to be a bully to. It actually happened most often in my friends. It happened a lot with my family. It happened with people that I was really close to. I look back on this now and realize that it was a defense mechanism and I look back and see that the people who had their life together, you know, it to me, it looked like they were always leaving me. So in order to prevent that hurt from happening, I had to push people away and in pushing people away and them leaving me, I started to believe that I was unlovable. So I want to fast forward a little bit. I want to move on to around the seventh grade. And during the seventh grade was probably the first time that I actually was aware that I was beginning to have anxiety and depression. And I was feeling extremely lonely. I had really low self-esteem. The summer before going into seventh grade, I got braces. I got glasses. I had gone through an awkward stage, you know, up until this point. People were really, really mean to me. The boys in my class used to make fun of me and tell me I was ugly, even beyond That time in my life, I remember in high school and even after high school, I would run into people that I had gone to school with. And for some reason, they never could see me without telling me, remember when you were so ugly or like they would tell me like, yeah, like you were really ugly back then. So apparently I was ugly, whatever. But people didn't let me forget that. And because of that, I just had really low self-esteem. So in the seventh grade, we, uh, we got a new student and I quickly became her friend. Uh, she sat in front of me in homeroom and she was really, really cute, really, really fun, had a really great vibe. And I just, I wanted to be her friend. And we quickly became best friends. We were together all the time. I remember we would go home from school and we would email each other all day. 
and we would text each other all the time. We would talk on the phone all the time. She validated me all the time. She loved me. We built each other up like all the time. It was just such a really great, solid friendship. But unfortunately, in the eighth grade, we were separated. Uh, the private school that I went to at the time was really big. So we had two of each class. So two seventh grades, two eighth grades. You get the picture. And when we were separated, she became friends with these two girls. One of them I had actually been friends with at one point. So it was weird. And the other one, I had known her, but we weren't close. And so they all became friends and very quickly started to bully me. I don't want to go into too much detail about this. If you guys would like to hear a different episode about this, because I went through a lot with these girls, um, let me know and I'm more than happy to talk about it. But these girls, to give some examples of some of the things they did, these girls catfished me. These girls tore me down in every single which way you can think. These girls constantly made me feel worthless. And I would confide in teachers and I confided in my principal and it was always turned around on me. It was always, Alexis, you're too sensitive. You're too emotional. You need to stop letting these things get to you. And it was so frustrating because I felt like, again, my feelings don't matter. These girls had parents who were were really well known in the community at school and they were, you know, they donated a lot of money and all that stuff. And my, we just, we didn't do that. My family wasn't like that. So I felt in some way, like I was being treated differently because these girls had, they were like, uh, it was like a big fish, small pond kind of thing. But because of these girls, I actually got so depressed that this was the first time I had started to have suicidal thoughts and the first time I started to experiment in self-harm. It was extremely obvious that these were things that I was going through. I had classmates that knew it was happening. I had people that I had confided in. There was, it was very obvious that these were things that I was going through. However, I was chastised for it instead of offered help. I don't think I ever had a single teacher. I didn't have any adult really in my life at all tell me like what can I do for you it was just you're doing this for attention you're too emotional to this to that and I was never offered any help so towards the end of eighth grade I was definitely really not feeling my best I was depressed I had you know really wanted to end my life I I was broken and around the end of the year when we got close to graduating, I remember getting a text message from a friend of mine, someone that was a classmate, someone that I had known for a long uh, period of time. We had been in school together since the first grade and there was definitely a time in my life where I had a crush on him. It was during that time where I was kind of forcing myself to have crushes on people, but I definitely cared about this person. So getting a text message from him was nice, especially during a time when I didn't feel like anyone really cared about me. And this person, um, you know, started telling me, you know, I've always had a crush on you. I've always had feelings for you, this, that, and the other kind of like just starting to make me feel validated, make me feel like I was worth something, made me feel beautiful. And this conversation lasted the entire day. And towards the end of it, I was just feeling really great. I felt, you know, excited to go to school the next day. The next day was senior picture day, so, or sorry, um, eighth grade graduation picture day. So I, you know, I, I got to wear a pretty dress and, you know, I was excited. I was excited to go to school the next day because I was feeling so beautiful. And Towards the end of the night, uh, this conversation starts to take a turn that made me extremely uncomfortable. And so he, I'm going to be talking about sexual harassment here. If this is something that bothers you or triggers you, I'd recommend skipping through this part. Um, but basically what happens is he starts to tell me that he wants to see pictures of me in my bra and my underwear. And, you know, at first I'm reluctant to do it and, you know, I'm young and I, you know, I'm, I'm again in the eighth grade. So I'm not, I'm not like developed, you know, I'm still kind of going through that awkward phase. Um, I did not feel, you know, sexy or beautiful or anything like that. So it was a really weird question to ask me. And, um, he, you know, builds me up, butters me up and tells me like, you know, I'm not going to show anyone. Just send me this picture. It's just like being in a swimsuit. Don't, don't worry. 
So, you know, I give in and I do it and immediately I, I regret it. Immediately I think to myself, like, I don't know why I just did this. This is, this is stupid. Like, everyone's going to find out. I, I just, I started having a lot of anxiety. He proceeds to tell me that he would like to start seeing more. And I quickly shut it down and tell him, you know, this, I'm not comfortable with that. This is not what, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. And he returns with, if you do not do this, I am going to send this picture to everybody. And I immediately freaked out because this was someone who was really well known in school. He was definitely one of the popular kids. Um, he was really well known in the city we grew up in. He knew a lot of people that were already in high school. Um, I was just extremely terrified and I was forced into doing these things that I wasn't comfortable with. It got so bad to the point where I was crying in my room. And at this time, I didn't feel safe enough to go to my parents. I didn't feel safe enough to go to my friends. I didn't feel like I had a solid support system. The adults in my life had basically made me feel like no one was ever going to be there for me. So I felt like this was something I had to go through alone. So I go to school the next day and it was blatantly clear that people knew about it. People were staring at me. Um, people were asking me questions. People had made comments about, you know, the possibility of seeing the pictures. And I was mortified. I was, you know, I was extremely embarrassed. I, what was supposed to be a really great day ended up being awful. And I just, I remember just feeling so done. And one of these, a girl came up to me, I remember in the hallway and told me like, I hope you know that like your mom could lose her job for this, like making me feel like absolute shit for this. And no one wanted to hear my side of the story. Now, this same girl's mother went to the principal and told the principal about this. And the principal called our parents, told them that they were going to be having a meeting. They confisca confiscated our phones. Um... The content had been, de been deleted at this point, but it still was extreme. There was a part of me that was like, I'm nervous because like, you know, I could get in trouble. But also if they look at the messages, they'll see that I, you know, this wasn't something I did willingly. But because the content was deleted, I didn't get that opportunity. So to make a long story short, basically it, nothing, nothing comes from it except for I, again, I am chastised for it. I'm made out to be a slut. I'm made out to be a whore. Everyone finds out about it. All of the teachers obviously know about it. It, it was just, it was mortifying. And to make everything worse, the girl who told me about my mom losing my job and then whose mother was the one who told the principal about this, what made this whole thing worse and was so ironic is this same girl a few weeks before this happened uh, we were at a pool party at a different girl's house, and I remember I was in the bathroom changing, and this girl comes in with a camera and starts taking pictures of me without my consent while I'm getting changed. And so it was just so, I, I remember like how mortified I was and the, how I cried the entire way home, and I told my mom I didn't want her to go back to the house and handle it. Like I just wanted to go home and not think about what had happened. So it was just so ironic to me that the same girl who you know, violated me was now trying to get me in trouble for someone else violating me. It was just, it was so awful. Like I was just so done. And again, I unfortunately wanted to end my life. So I'm going to fast forward now to high school. Um, I'm going to try and get through it as quickly as possible. There's a lot of information that I'm going to try and pack in here. So just bear with me. But basically freshman year of high school, I ended up going to an all girl Catholic school. Uh, it's kind of funny because my mom wanted me to go to this school so that I wouldn't be distracted by boys, but jokes on you, mom, because I'm bisexual. Um, but basically freshman year was extremely hard because I had just come from the eighth grade where I had experienced all of this shit, all of this bullying by these girls, the situation with the pictures. Um, another thing that had happened is one of these girls in that group that was bullying me had, um, I was started dating someone and, you know, she kind of swooped in and, and <laughs> took him from me. So I was just really like destroyed. And so in going to this school, I was just like, not happy about it. I didn't want to be here. The only other person that I knew in my class at this school was one of the girls who used to bully me. 
So I was, <laughs> I was really struggling. And on top of that, at this time, I was still struggling with my feelings for women. So I going to an all girls school was, was definitely really hard for me. So freshman year was when I had my first real relationship. Um, I, you know, had really struggled with my feelings for women and I had made a friend really early on. Uh, it was actually in summer school before we had even started freshman year, but, uh, it started off as a friendship and, you know, it quickly blossomed into something more because she was the first person in a really long time that validated me, that protected me, that stood up for me. I remember the, um, the girl that the only other person that I knew at school who happened to also be the girl who bullied me in the eighth grade, um, she had gone around, uh, gone around telling people not to be my friend. So when it got to this girl that I was friends with, she said, I don't give a fuck what you have to say. I really like this girl. So I'm going to be friends with her. And I had never really had anyone do that for me before. So this friendship blossoms into a relationship, but the issue with it was that it had to be a secret. You could not be gay at an all-girls school. If they found out about it, you were kicked out. Not just that, but her family was extremely against it. I had had conversations with my parents that made me feel like they weren't going to support me if I had decided to have a relationship with this girl. Um, and it created a lot of resentment within myself and a lot of just a lot of self-hatred. I felt like what I was doing was wrong. I was ashamed. I, I just I really struggled with the fact that it had to be a secret. I think the best way I can put it into perspective for you guys is imagine the person that you love more than anything in the world. Like think about that person. It can be someone you're in a relationship with. It can be a parent. It can be a sibling. It can be a child, whatever it is, think about that person that you love more than anything in the world. Now imagine not being able to act on those feelings. Imagine not being able to hug them or kiss them or hold their hand or act like you don't love them. It was horrible. And that wasn't the only time in my life I've ever experienced something like that. And I'm telling you, it is the worst thing a person can go through. It's just another way that my feelings were invalidated, that my feelings didn't matter, that my feelings were so like inappropriate or so like not, it didn't work for the, like it, I couldn't have those feelings in an all girl Catholic school. So it invalidated my feelings. It made me feel like what I was doing was wrong. So because of this, the relationship eventually became toxic I was, you know, I, my anger was manifesting in a really shitty way and the relationship just came to an end. Towards the end of freshman year was when I decided it was time to find my birth family. I was sitting in biology class and we were talking about genetics and everyone was talking about people they looked like and things that they inherited from other people. And I didn't have any idea. I didn't, I didn't know what I, you know, who I looked like. I didn't know anything. So I figured it was time to look for my birth family. Like I had said before, my parents were really open with me about being adopted, and therefore I did have some information about my birth family. I knew their names, I knew that I had two brothers, I knew my grandparents' names, and I knew the city that they lived in. So that night I got home and I spent the entire night looking for my birth family, and I eventually find my birth mom on Facebook. And I'll never forget this because I remember looking at her picture and thinking like, oh my God, like, that's my mom. Like, I remember just seeing it and knowing it was her. So I go to message her and I was like, 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 what do you say? Like, what do you say in that moment? You know? So I just basically in a nutshell told her like, hi, I think I'm your daughter. Um, I'm sorry if like, you're not my mom, but you know, I was born on this day at this hospital and you know, I'm just looking for my mom and you know, so on and so forth. And I ended up also messaging a couple other people with her last name, just, just in case, like, I just, you know, I was so eager and I wanted a response as quickly as possible. So the next day I, you know, I'm checking my phone, checking my phone, checking my phone. I'm not getting any responses. And finally I start getting some responses, but they're not what I expected. I was getting a lot of messages saying like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, 
good luck, all that kind of stuff. So I was getting really discouraged. Towards the end of the day, I finally get a message from someone with the same last name as my birth mother. And I open the message and thank God it's finally something I can work with. And he basically tells me, oh my God, this is so crazy. Hi, I'm your uncle. I'm your mom's twin brother. Yes, like we were just talking about you. We were just talking about how she had a dream about you and she was thinking about you and hoping that you were doing okay. This is so crazy. So it was a, it was a good message. I was so excited. However, in this message, I also found out that I had younger siblings. This was extremely difficult for me because... As you guys know, up until this point, I was having extreme issues with, you know, not basically I didn't felt, feel like I ever belonged anywhere. And I felt like, you know, I didn't really have a place. And so in finding my birth family, I was hoping that I was going to kind of find a place to belong to. But when I found out that my mom had had more kids after me and had made the decision to keep them, it really fucked with my head. And I started to really question myself and I started to wonder if there really was something wrong with me. But after all of those initial negative feelings, I ended up having a conversation with my birth mother. I got to ask all the questions that I needed to ask. And a few months later, we had our first in-person meeting. And honestly, it was, it was amazing. If you guys would like to hear that story, um, let me know. I would love to do an episode on it because it was it was definitely such a magical time. So I'm going to move on to my sophomore year of high school. Um, I ended up transferring out of that all-girls school that I went to and to another all-girls school in a different city. And I ended up transferring because the girl that I had broken up with ended up dating a friend of mine. And it just made things really hard. It was really hard to watch her be with someone else, especially someone that was, a, that was you know, I was close to. So I ended up transferring and um, sophomore year was really great. You know, I started to find myself again. I was making new friends. I was giving, given new opportunities. Um, I was able to start a new relationship. It didn't last very long just because, you know, I had a lot of things I had to work on within myself and my own insecurities and toxic traits kind of, it, it was the reason for the relationship kind of ending. But towards the end of my sophomore year of high school, I started to kind of like figure out what I liked about myself, what I didn't like about myself. I started to bounce around friend groups again, but unfortunately in doing that, it created a lot of friction with some of my friend groups because, you know, some girls didn't like some girls and, you know, things like that, that petty high school stuff. So I started to kind of get really stressed out in my situation in sophomore year. I decided to go on a little vacation and I ended up going to a party where there was a bunch of people that I hadn't really met before. I was really overwhelmed and I, you know, I, at 15 years old, I had been around alcohol before. I had experimented with alcohol before. You know, I had felt what it was like to be buzzed before, but I hadn't really been a drinker. It wasn't something that was, you know, readily available in my life. But at this particular party, there was a lot of alcohol, you know, people my age were drinking, people younger than me were drinking, and I was feeling really overwhelmed. So I started to utilize the alcohol in a way to suppress my feelings, to calm my anxiety, to make me feel more comfortable, to make me kind of not be as shy, all of that fun stuff. And it got to the point where I was extremely intoxicated, like to the point where, you know, I was belligerent. And I remember several times throughout the night just going in and out. So I'm going to put a trigger warning here, guys. I am going to be talking about sexual assault. So if this is something that you would like to skip through, I would do that now. Um, but anyway, so I end up getting uh, really drunk. And um, the next morning, I woke up and was kind of piecing the night back together and I could remember instances where I had been feeling uncomfortable and unsafe around a specific individual. And there were several times where I remember having to remove myself from the room or the area I was at because this person was making me uncomfortable. And so um, I'm piecing the night together. I start to kind of get in touch with myself, with my feelings, with my body and, you know, thinking about these things that I had experienced the night before. And I quickly realized that something um, not okay happened the night before. And I decided to confide in, a, in an adult who was at the party. And they had told me, like, oh, my God, like, that's crazy. Like, like what are we going to do? What, what should we do? 
And I told them, like, I don't know, like, my mom's, you know, my adoptive mom's supposed to be come picking me up right now. Like, I need to tell her. And it was, there was some conversation about how I shouldn't say anything because if I didn't say any, if I did say something, I wouldn't be able to come around my friends here anymore. I wouldn't be able to come see these people anymore. So I remember thinking, like, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. I'll just keep it quiet. But ultimately, ultimately, I ended up deciding I was going to, I was going to say something. And in this conversation with this person, we had decided that we were going to go talk to someone who knew this person intimately because this was someone I had just met. So I wanted to, you know, kind of confide in someone to see what they were going to say. And in this conversation with this person, it was validated that there was behavior um, in this person that pointed to validating that this is something that happened. And I remember thinking like, okay, so this is real. This happened. I'm not imagining this, you know, like I was assaulted last night. And as quickly as I was validated, I was invalidated. And the people who had started off believing me ended up not believing me and taking the side of this person who had assaulted me. And, um, my adopted mom comes to pick me up. I tell her what happens. She's a lawyer. So naturally she's like, what the fuck? And on top of that, she's my mom. So she's like, no, we're calling the police. We're starting an investigation. The cops come and I get taken to the station and I have to recount the entire night. I have to go through the embarrassing, you know, story and tell them what I was feeling, tell them what I was thinking, tell them, you know, just, it's a really embarrassing thing to go through. And for those of you who have gone through it, you know, it's, it just makes everything so much worse than it already is. My experience with the cops during this was absolutely terrible. I remember an instance where a cop literally told my mom, um, you know, if your daughter wasn't wearing such short shorts, this probably wouldn't have happened to her. And I remember I'll never forget my mom's response to him. And she says, I don't give a fuck if my daughter was running around naked in that house no one had the right to touch her. And the rest of the afternoon was just extremely mortifying. And like most cases like this, the charges were dropped despite the evidence. But to make things much worse and to follow the theme of my life, a lot of the reason why this case was dropped was because the people who were at the party made sure that their story was different than mine. And there were adults involved and it just, again, validated that adults can do whatever the fuck they want to you and get away with it. And my feelings don't matter. So in returning to school after this happened, I decided it was time to transfer. Um, my uh, teachers and my principal and my dean were notified of the incident. I was excused, but upon returning for junior year of high school, it got out and everyone knew about it. On top of the fact that I confided in some people and just because it's high school and it's what people do, people talk and people knew about it and I just didn't want to be treated differently. So I transferred to a co-ed school for my junior year of high school, a co-ed private school. And this was really hard for me and difficult for me because this year was when I started to have symptoms of PTSD. Um, one of the uh, things I want to talk about because we don't really have the conversation but there is a symptom of PTSD called hypersexuality. And basically in a nutshell, it is when someone tries to take back control of their life by having sex with a lot of people. And in a way it's a, it's, it's a, it's for that person. It is basically saying like, I'm taking back control over my body. I'm taking back control over my choices. I am choosing to sleep with this person. And therefore like I am kind of getting rid of what happened to me. And if you guys are interested in hearing more about it, I recently read a study, so I am more than happy to do an episode if you guys, um, if you guys would like to hear more about it. But basically, junior year, I had made a name for myself. I, you know, kind of gave myself a bad reputation, and I was trying to start relationships, trying to start friendships, but because of all of the struggles I was going through and because of the name I made for myself, it was really hard to establish real connections. And the friendships that I did make with people became toxic because I would take out my um, anger on them or I would take out my frustrations on them. And it, it just, junior year ended up just being a year where I just totally kind of ruined my life. But 
when it came to senior year, I ended up getting in a relationship with a long-term friend. And unfortunately, that relationship, even though it started off going really well, I felt safe, I was comfortable, it really quickly turned into a toxic relationship because we both suffered from a mental illness. And this is just really important because this relationship destroyed me in so many different ways but it was because I did not know that my partner had a mental illness and looking back on it I really wish that as a society we talked more about mental health in general but we also talked more about mental health in males because had I known the symptoms of this specific mental illness I would have been able to help him but on top of that I might have been able to take a step back and realize that this was not something that I could have taken on at this point in my life because I was also going through a lot of trauma too. We ended up calling off this relationship and I decided to spend the rest of senior year trying to find myself. However, I had a really hard time ending the year because I was having some issues with a peer and towards the end, you know, it was starting to get a little ridiculous. She was trying to fight me all the time. I couldn't walk down the hallways without this girl trying to start some kind of problems. And I ended up going to the principal just because I was like, I don't know what, what to do anymore. There's nothing I can do. Just separate me from this girl. Like, I just don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, and I was remember I had a couple of friends with me. And one of my friends said something that I'll never forget. And she looks at the principal and she says, Lexi's weak. Lexi can't stand up for herself, so we have to do it for her. And I remember sitting there thinking, ouch, but yeah, you're right. And I realized it was time to start making some changes in my life. If you guys are still with me, I really appreciate you. I'm almost done. Um, I just wanted to fast forward real quick three years into the beginning of my 20s. I was in a really awesome, healthy relationship this person was someone that started off as my friend. I was at a point in my life where I was, you know, happy. You know, I was kind of just in this place of I just have so much love to give and I want to give it to every single person that I come across. And this relationship was, while it was really good, unfortunately, we had to take on a family member who suffered from alcoholism. And for those of you who have experienced someone who suffers from this disease, you know how incredibly exhausting it can be. And if you guys would like me to do an episode on that, just let me know. I have no problem on um, it, in talking about that. But this, um, in doing this, it really made my relationship with my partner suffer. And we had gotten to the point where we had broken up a few times. I was struggling in the relationship because I felt like my partner never stood up for me. I felt like he kind of just let people walk all over me and it was hard. I was having a really hard time with the relationship. And when I started to question if this was something that I wanted to continue, I ended up finding out that I was pregnant. And this was a really, really hard time in my life because right before I found out I was pregnant, my parents had told me that they were going to be leaving Los Angeles and moving to New Mexico. And my sister was going off to college and I had to kind of decide what I was going to do at that point. And becoming pregnant was that wake up call that it was time to figure the, it the fuck out. So one thing that you guys have to know about me is there's nothing on this earth that I want more than to be a mom. Everyone who truly knows me knows this about me. I want to have a big family with a lot of dogs, with a lot of land, and it's just something I've always wanted. Um, so when I found that I was pregnant, I was really excited, and I remember going to tell my partner that I was pregnant, and unfortunately, I did not get the same response, and very quickly, this relationship deteriorated. Um, my partner wanted absolutely nothing to do with it, and it crushed me. Not only was it extremely clear that my partner wanted nothing to do with it, but my family and his family ended up getting together and basically having a meeting about my body and my choices. The conversation basically was a one hour conversation about all of the reasons why I would be a terrible mother, why it would be the worst decision for me to have this child, all of the reasons why I would be a horrible mother, so on and so forth. And I'm left sitting there at the end of this conversation feeling completely and totally defeated and like my feelings don't matter, my body doesn't matter, my existence doesn't matter. And to make a long story short, I was basically forced into making a decision that I didn't want to make, and I had to terminate my pregnancy. 
This was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make, if not the hardest decision I ever had to make. Um, I was left feeling freaking devastated. I was ashamed. I felt weak-minded. I felt like a failure. I felt like I failed as a human being. I felt like I failed as a woman. I felt like I failed as a mother. I, I will never, ever, ever forget this experience in my life because... I just genuinely hated myself for this decision because I felt like I had no backbone and I was going through this because I couldn't stand up for myself. Looking back on this time in my life, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I've had to make a harder decision. And I, you know, when I look back on this specific moment, I get angry because my body and my choices and all of that all of it was taken away from me. My right to choose was taken away from me. And while I can't go back in time and do anything to change my decision, what I can do is make sure that no woman ever is put in a position where their body and their choices are stripped of their rights, ever. A few months after this, I ended up rekindling a relationship with my first ever uh, girlfriend from freshman year of high school. And I mean, we, we rekindled a relationship as in a friendship. Um, we had met up for lunch and we you know, talked about everything. We hashed everything out. We made peace with what happened in the relationship. And then we ended up you know, having a conversation about things that we were gonna do to be better going forward. And you know, we talked about all of the things that had happened in our life you know, recently. And I confided in her and I told her about the things I had gone through and again she was the first person in such a long time to validate me to show me love to be there for me to be a support system to be non-judgmental and I remember thinking like I'm so happy that we rekindled this friendship because this is exactly what I need right now I need this energy and when I told her that I was going to be you know I made the decision to move to Albuquerque she was so excited for me so proud of me so you know, ready to see the life that I created in Albuquerque. And, you know, it, it was just, it was the be one of the best conversations I had right before I left. But unfortunately, exactly one week later, I got the phone call that she had passed away. This was definitely one of the hardest deaths I had ever had to go through. And not only was her funeral date, you know, the day that I had to um, say goodbye to her and lay her to rest. But the day of her funeral was also my baby's due date. So it was also a day to mourn what would have been the birthday of my child. I ended up leaving California extremely brokenhearted. It was a few months before my 21st birthday. I was leaving behind a, a bunch of people that were important to me. I left behind a bunch of relationships. I left behind someone I thought I was going to be spending the rest of my life with. I left behind my child. I left behind this, you know, this passing of someone that I loved so much. There were so many things that I closed the door on when I left California, but I knew that I needed it. I knew I needed a change. I knew I needed a, you know, a different, a different environment to be in so that I could heal. If you guys have made it to this point, thank you so much. I am actually going to be ending this episode right here. I have decided to split this episode up into two parts only because there was so much information I wanted to pack in. So if you want to hear about my two years living in Albuquerque, my next two years living in Colorado, and then how all of this stuff kind of ties in together with these books that I read and how I healed from it, please stay tuned. I will be releasing part two of this episode in just a few days, so sooner than you think. And I just wanted to end this episode with saying that it took a lot for me to open up about these things. Some of these things I'm talking about for the first time since they've happened. Some of them I'm talking about for the first time out loud. So I just really appreciate you guys being here and making it to this uh this point of the episode. If any of the things that I talked about sparked any type of, um, I guess, encouragement in you to speak up, to use your voice, if you have gone through something similar and you would like to share your story, if you have gone through something similar and have healed from it and are ready to talk about it, I would love to hear from you. And even if any none of that stuff um, 
you know, has happened for you. Um, I really would love to hear your opinions. Uh, one of the things that I want to make extremely clear is that this is a place for respect. This is a place for love. I'm not going to tolerate any type of disrespect whatsoever. The things that I've done in my life, there's nothing that anyone can say that I haven't already said to myself. So I want to make that really clear. And this not this doesn't just go for myself. This goes for the rest of the episodes on this podcast. Absolutely no disrespect will be tolerated. So if you have, you know, you know, something to say, if you have an opinion, if you have any of that stuff, I welcome it. It is, you know, it is encouraged, but let's keep it respectful. Let's keep the compassion. Let's keep the empathy. And I guess I'll just go ahead and end this episode here. Again, part two will be out sooner than you think. And in the next episode, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, some of the crazy shit I went through in Albuquerque, the even crazier shit I went through in Colorado, and how I heal from all of those things and my reason and my why for this podcast.